Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, you're going to hear about the best bits from Unscripted by MJ DeMarco. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of entrepreneurship. Has life regressed into paying the bills and living for a weekend? You weren't born to slave 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, pay the bills, and then die. Think about when your life's final moment arises. What do you want your spirit to be singing? The thoughts of regret and remorse, or instead peace and happiness. Yeah, we've all got these dreams and you might have had them for a kid, but you got to think about from the very end, are you going to be someone on your deathbed living through the lens of regret and things that you didn't do? And if you didn't do it, it's because you've been sold into a Machiavellian system where your whole lifetime role has been scripted for a really uninspiring performance. So you've been unwittingly cast to play a really rigged carnival game masquerading as life. And the way this script works is very few win and many lose. And um, a lot of people listening now, uh, you're going to get slapped up because you might figure out that you're living the scripted life where you might be the one losing. This book probably isn't for everyone, but it's definitely an eye-opener that I think everyone needs to listen to. MJ talks about the idea of the unscripted life, which is something we need to work towards rather than something that comes naturally to us in that it's waking up in the morning, pinching yourself because you can't imagine that this is your life. You can't believe it, that you're waking up. It's not a dream. You're living in your dream house. There's no mortgage. There's no alarm clock, no boss, no bills. There's no claims on your day, no demands on your time other than the ones that you choose. Yeah, some people out there make more money before breakfast than you're making at your entire week at your last job. And it might seem just too far out of reach, but you got to think, there are some people out there who are living this kind of life. So then why can't it be you? And uh, this is what MJ's life is. And he's someone, he's an author. He doesn't need the money from his book deals or anything like that. He's living this life and he's genuinely trying to get you the reader to live this kind of life also. But unfortunately, part of this script is for you to believe that such a way of living is out of reach for a person like you and is only out there for a certain time type of person where it might be someone with a serious college degree VC funding or, or a certain contact list from Stanford. But that's all bullshit. You listening right now, you can actually live this life. This is kind of like the Matrix where Neo's given the choice. The blue pill means he goes back to this mediocre life but blissfully ignorant of what he's missing or swallow the red pill and be jolted awake uh, and you're seeing this imperfect truth. And this is what this book kind of is. This book is very much a red pill book. It opens your eyes to a lot of things that are going on in this world, a lot of systems that's been scripted to move us towards one certain way of living. But instead, if we take this red pill and uh, open our eyes to some of what MJ is saying, we could become unscripted. Yeah, the blue pill life is a deception orchestrated not by artificial intelligence like it is in the matrix, but it's really conventional intelligence. And the operating system has given you a life of someone else's someone else's design. It's been meticulously pre-planned and preordained for you to follow this serious blueprint of mediocrity. And this is what we're getting red-pilled to step out of. So what's this script? MJ talks about a process that we all go through, that we've been scripted towards, that is basically set up for us to live a, li- a soullessness life. And it starts off, and a lot of this will probably sound familiar to what we've gone through because this is the conventional, the traditional way, the scripted way. You go to university, you earn a degree regardless of the cost or the demand or the economics. You probably pay a hell of a lot of money, whether you pay it up front or you get a big loan or the government pays it and you have to eventually pay them back later. But you get out of there with this 
four years or five years of time that you've invested, tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars that you've invested, you get a degree on the way out and you hope that you can get a job, but you're saddled with debt. And a lot of these degrees, they're really commodified education out there. And when you land your first job, you've really got no scarcity in your skill sets and you're competing with a whole bunch of people for the same amount of jobs. If you're lucky, you land a job and then this is all of a sudden the trade. You're working five days a week out of seven and you're exchanging all of this time as an exchange for you know a little bit of paper called money. So you slave all day, usually repeating monotonous tasks, uh, just so you can pay back the huge education and the loans that you've just left. And you, you know, at the very start, at the when you begin working, you're partying hard at the clubs and you're buying rounds of drinks to really impress all the strangers and um, the women and dudes that, who might be out of your league. So we're working hard throughout the week. We're just hoping for that Friday night and that Saturday night and spending all of our money. We grow a little bit older. We climb the corporate ladder. We wake up. We probably hit snooze a couple of times before we wake up again because we have to drag ourselves out of bed to get through this routine of traffic, work, traffic, sleep, repeat four or five times a week, work overtime to try and get a little bit extra money. You might hate your job. You might hate your boss. You might hate your coworkers, but you've got that paycheck that you need and you want to take that next step up. And you grow older. Vacation all of a sudden, you got your two or four weeks a year depending on where you are. Only when the overlords and your corporate bosses permit for you to take this time off. And you're spending a lot of money to fill this fill this void you can't explain. But you're cornered by a job, a mortgage, or a car and all this debt you've racked up. And you're cornered and your job has to just maintain these. But then you grow a little bit older. You hear your biological clock ticking, so you need to start dating. You need to find someone to get engaged and married and settle down and buy a house and have a few kids because it's uh, this impending time where may may no longer be possible and this is your next objective. And you grow older and you start becoming more responsible. You got kids and you, you change your perceptions around what debt is and you start paying all this debt down. You start your retirement planning and the whole goal here is to really make a budget, follow a budget and you're cancelling all the movie channels and it's really just sacrificing all the things so you can just pay down this debt. You grow older, you see this time on the horizon, 65 years of age, the retirement age where you trust you'll be able to retire. You trust in the, the financial system, you trust in your own budgeting and discipline that you've put away enough money throughout the years and that you've had enough compound interest over the years, that you've got enough money sitting there. You're sort of praying or hoping that time and compound interest in the market will all line up at the right time where you have enough money to be able to satisfy your lifestyle in years of retirement without having to work. So around about this time, you're insisting your kids get good grades as well, just like you did, get a job just like you did so they can repeat the same march that you can't escape. And you're teaching the kids the difference between pipe dreams and reality. So you're continuing working, aging in indifference, and you're really set to autopilot. And you're approaching the end now, so you're not just growing older, you're really withering older. And a lot of people, you're going to feel regret and remorse. Your bucket list is completely full, but your time bank is empty. And your portfolio of shares that you built up has a similar state of emptiness for a lot of people, unfortunately. You might hit 65, and unfortunately, this is the, the case for a lot of people. They come to the unpleasant truth that the stocks didn't return what was promised, and they're delaying retirement for more work. And the retirement age is being pushed back right now. And that's because time doesn't really give a shit. That you've worked 60 years and you trusted your money in the index fund and then you paid a king's ransom in taxes. Time doesn't give a shit what was promised throughout your whole entire life and what was delivered at the end.
This is the manufactured conventional wisdom. It's been distributed by institutionalized indoctrination and we all swallowed it up with blind faith. But MJ says that we need to wake up and realize that the product being manufactured is you. Throughout our lives and throughout this whole process, you might notice that there's this little bit of white noise, this neighing chorus of dissonant emotions really continually whispering at you of what your soul's purpose was meant to be. You had these dreams at the very start of your life and over time, this just goes back to a white noise that you're really willfully ignoring. One of these whispers could be the whisper of insignificance, a little voice at the back of your head just sort of nagging away saying, what are you doing with your life? What are you actually contributing to the world? You're spending all this time and energy and effort, but what is the outcome? What is the value that is produced? For a lot of people out there, the arrival of Sunday night and Monday morning are a bit like hide and seek with the Grim Reaper. You hate your job, you hate your boss, and your paycheck is kind of that instant amnesia and makes you forget all, forget all about it. And then there's the most haunting whisper of it all. It's, this is when it comes to regret. Everyone might have a different dream for some people. It's to be famous, get rich, be a CEO. Uh, it might be a parent who puts pizza on the table and then just calls it a night and doesn't have to work before bed. And you are going to be accomplished, proud and happy. But now all this is just simply a dead dream sitting on top of a, st- a stack of bills in a really mediocre life. That Sunday evening is really the ultimate litmus test for a scripted existence. As you're having dinner and winding down on a Sunday night, What are your feelings about the impending Monday morning that's just around the corner? That's a really good point. I think the more scripted you are, the more the Sunday night, you've got the huge dread about what's coming during the week. And this is a really sad way to live and it doesn't have to be this way. The difference between Saturday, Sunday and Monday should be zero and it could be zero. It's been a pretty powerful start to the episode so far and a few people might have switched off because it is a a very different way of thinking compared to what you're probably used to. Admittedly, for myself, even throughout reading this book, there were times where it felt like it was going to be a lot easier to put it down than to keep reading because it does seem outlandish. And there was that uncomfortability of as much as you think you're unscripted, you're pretty bloody scripted, all of us. It's very much worth to continue listening and consider what might be a completely different way of looking at the world. There was a time in your life when you didn't have this script just slapped up all over you. You were kind of pure and unmolested and you'd wake up happy and excited about the day. Um, As a kid, you'd have these fantastic dreams and your visions and optimism about the future. You want to be DiCaprio, Hemingway, Jordan, Elvis. You want to be next something and then something happened and, and you grew up and this is the whole process that happened. And The way this scripted existence gets thrown on you or the blue pill, um, continuing the analogy from earlier, is there a whole bunch of cedars who just enforce this scripted doctrine onto you. This scripted system is spread throughout just by a whole bunch of different people and it probably starts with your friends and family. They They sort of think, you know, our life sucks, so yours should as well. This is the way we did it. This is the way you've got to do it as well. That's just mainly because everybody is scripted and they're just sort of spreading the same dogma that they grew up with, that they've learned and they've heard throughout their lives. And this is where you'll first hear these scripted ideas. Unless you've got a good bunch of friends that have been carefully cultivated, uh, they don't really want you succeeding before their own success. A bit of envy in there. But if you tell a peer that you got a new job, they're all going to give you the big likes and congratulations because if you're living this scripted existence, this conventional wisdom, this is what everyone else wants you to do. But if you tell them you quit your job to go after your dreams, they're going to get pissed off and give you a real stink face and probably 
even potentially disown you. So this script divergence is really unacceptable. You must be like everyone else and you stay in this nine-to-five job model. Another big cedar is the education system. And it is a system that really is set up to train you to become a compliant factory worker. You know, you have to get in line, you have to raise your hand, you have to ask for permission, you have to follow the instructions. The bell goes at a certain time and that's when you get back to work. So it's very much training you for uh, a, a future scripted life. One of the worst things we learn is that failure is a bad thing. If you get below a 50, you get a bloody red F and you get a parental smackdown and you know failure is admonished and if you fail, your parents might ground you, they'll give you no TV and no iPad. And then in the long run, is it any shock that the straight A nerdy students, they end up making the great employees? And it was actually the C grade students who didn't follow this scripted existence too early, are the ones hiring everybody else. The other thing that happens in school, the competitive drive that we've got in, in us is really suppressed and gagged. Our public schools now are really grooming our kids to be over-medicated, over-mollycoddled band of wimps who throw tantrums with the when your sippy cups go empty so if you know if you get a second place or third place you're getting all these participation trophies and this isn't really what life is about the competitive drive can be something that helps us in the long run another big cedar is the corporate sector and big corporations obviously it's in their best interest for you to follow the script because the corporation needs compliant factory workers to continue to follow the scripted path because it obviously benefits them in the long run and the fourth cedar is the financial cedars. These are the people who sell you on the sell you on the idea that there is gold at the, under the rainbow at the end of your life if you retire, if you trade everything now, and you trust these financial people. Give them all your money that you've spent your time working towards. They'll make sure that at the very end you can finally just relax and have a comfortable retirement and just sit patiently and just you know wait till the wait till you die. Yeah, that's a big uh, part of the script that obviously benefits them by having you inside their system and their their promise to you is that just put a little bit away now and over time, the interest will start building up. It's probably not much at the moment, but if you keep adding more money and waiting for more time, come the end of your working life, there's going to be a nice little pot there at the end to, to satisfy your, your wants and needs into a nice, comfortable retirement. And that's the biggest bit of bullshit with this scripted existence. It's all about sell your youthful time now and buy elderly time later. We don't put a real good price tag or value on our time. A lot of us, if there's a free milkshake six suburbs away, people will drive one hour, wait in line for 40 minutes to get a $5 free milkshake or a donut. Quite literally true. I saw that actually with donuts. The line for a free donut was at least 40 minutes long to save three bucks. So really, they're putting their own value on their time of you know four five dollars an hour. One suggestion is to shift your perception of money, shift the way that you look at consumerism. If say an iPhone is worth a thousand bucks and you're thinking of buying this brand new product, one way to look at that is saying, okay, it's a thousand bucks. Another way to look at it is thinking, okay, well. I earn 25 bucks an hour, so what I'm really trading is 40 hours of my time to get this brand new iPhone. So it becomes a different equation in your mind. Is the iPhone worth a thousand bucks? Is is one question, but a completely different question is: Is this iPhone worth a whole week worth of my time and effort? That's an iPhone worth a thousand bucks. I think it's worth looking at even a car. If you're spending, say, 40 grand on a car 
and you could spend 10 grand that really has the same functional value. That difference in 30 grand, you might get that little bit of hedonic adaptation because you're getting that little bit of status that goes with the car. But 30 grand, how much hours is that, Mr. IQ boy? Well, mate, it could be, depends on what your salary is. It could be half 50 a bucks year. An hour. Let's say 50 bucks an hour. Well, I was thinking in, in terms of uh, the, the length of salary. Year. That's a good point. Yeah, it could be. Imagine that six months of your entire salary goes towards a, a something that can get you from A to B. Well, I'd probably go one step further and say it's more like four years because you're going to be looking at your discretionary oh, yeah. spending that goes to stuff like that. So beyond the bills, the money that's left over, all of that, which could be going to something that contributes to more time in your life, it's going to a car. And this is the way we're going to be thinking about every single thing we purchase. And especially if you put that car in debt, someday mm. you're going to pay the principal plus, plus the interest or plus the extra time investment in interest. But this is sort of part of the scripted way of, of living, the big fancy car companies with these amazing, beautiful ads with this sexy couple driving in their convertible with the roof down through the uh, across the hills and through the oceans and you think, yeah, I want to live that life. But then you, if you think that that's multiple years of your salary just to get that one piece of functional equipment, that's a big trade-off. And that's what we're being sold into. MJ shows us we've got two different doors that we can go down. I think most people in the world think that these are the only two choices we've got. But for MJ, these two choices that people think we've got, they're really leading to the same destination and if you live in the scripted path it's almost inevitable that you're going to follow these routes so the first door i show hit us with the sidewalk which is really the pay it now culture that's where your happiness is directly linked to your consumption you're willingly taking on debt and dependence because it means that you can get what you want right now you don't have to wait for it you don't have to slave away you don't have to save up it just means you can get what you want now whatever you earn you spend and in fact you probably spend more than you earn yeah these kind of people you're just one thing away from broke whether it's a paycheck or one gig one album failure one contract one something away from broke and you're going out there and you're telling your friends before you're buying that $600 bag from Quebec in Canada. <laughs> this is what I did recently. <laughs> you only live once. You might be thinking, thank God it's Friday and uh, another little acronym, you know, fuck my life. There are all these little cute little acronyms that you're living by. I think the biggest one is, is YOLO. And uh, people are saying YOLO and they'll purchase that round of 20 beers for the whole bar or whatever, not thinking about what's coming in the future. And if this sounds like you, you're a bit of a sidewalker. The importance here of the sidewalk is that anybody at any income level can be a sidewalker. It's not just the poor people who are taking on debt to buy things. It can be the uh, super, super wealthy in terms of salary. It could be the big basketball NBA superstar who's on tens of millions of dollars a year, but they're spending more than tens of millions of dollars a year. If they earn a million a month, but they spend one and a half million a month, they're a sidewalker. I think Kanye, was it Kanye who went into bankruptcy or... I think he was like 53 mil negative, wasn't he at some point? Yeah. There are stories who are people who are just ultra, ultra rich, but they're still sidewalkers. So, it's a way your brain's kind of wired to your relationship with money. The second door is the slow lane. And this is where you trade today for tomorrow. If you think about our little life scripted story, which we opened with in this podcast, this probably comes a little bit later in life where uh, your freedom is through investing and deprivation. You're trying to pay down your debt by depriving yourself of all these things. Your slave master is time and Wall Street bankers and your superannuation. It's all about hope and you're in the rat race here. So, the cycle you're on is save, 
work a bit more, invest the difference of what you earn and what you spend, you wait, you repeat, and you go through this cycle until you hit retirement. You might be in your mid-60s and when you, you think you're in the promised land. This seems like a more mature way to approach life. You realize that you need to get serious. Maybe it's buy a house. Maybe it's you've got kids and you can't be going and spending a 1000 bucks on a wild Friday night at the bar, which is what the, the sidewalkers are doing. So instead, the slow laners are taking what they think is a more responsible choice and they're giving up their freedom to Wall Street, to the stock market, to hope, to time, and they're just thinking that, okay, I'm going to deprive myself of the things I want now, and instead, through compound interest and through the magic of investing, I'm going to be able to get everything I want tomorrow. This whole slow lane is actually a multi-trillion dollar industry riddled with famous authors and radio personalities who are really convincing people of this path. So, books like The Barefoot Investor or The Property Couch kind of books, they're all in some way or another telling you to control what you spend and deprive yourself a little bit so you can invest more. So, some day in the future, you can have enough income to live happily ever after. But if you watch how every single one of these people live themselves, they've actually built a business system in writing a book and they're selling this book, which is actually bringing their income or the cases, people like the, the property couch, what they do, they've got the podcast, which brings in enough referrals into their into their business as a buyer's advocate for property, which is the thing that makes all their income. So every single case that this multi-trillion dollar industry, they're bringing in income through a business system and not by taking a salary and depriving themselves, investing a little bit of the salary away as their, as their financial plan into the future. If you think about some of the popular personal finance books, what MJ is saying here, you know, the Dave Ramsey's, the Ramit Sethi, even Tony Robbins' uh, more recent books where he was talking about uh, what MJ would say is a slow lane approach. The criticism MJ has here is that the way that they're preaching is not the way that they've made their money. So they're saying to save a little bit more. They're saying to invest and get the returns of the market. Uh, but what they're actually doing on their end is having this fast lane system, which is where they're making all their money. They're probably not practicing what they're preaching in the sense that they didn't get rich by following the slow lane method. It's probably a good segue into what MJ calls the alternative to this time prostitution, which is the fast lane. So we've really ragged on the way a lot of people live. Sorry for that if you're listening right now and we've just basically just torn your lifestyle apart. But MJ right now toward the end, he brings in the actual solution to everything. And as you said, Ash Joe, it is a business system and your whole perception of the world is different. When it comes to time, you got to believe this is the most important asset you have far exceeding money. When it comes to education, the moment you stop learning is the moment you stop growing. Your money perception is, it's the reflection of how many lives you've actually touched and improved and your destination here is passive income. It's not trading time for money, it's actually building a business system what funds your lifestyle. So when you go to sleep, you wake up a little bit richer. When you eat breakfast, perhaps your business system has funded your breakfast and this is actually how you live your whole entire life. It's a complete switch of perceptions. So, applying this mindset or this methodology means that instead of buying products you see on TV, you're selling products. Instead of borrowing money from the banks, you're lending money. Instead of taking a class, you're offering a class. Instead of having a job, you're hiring people for jobs. And instead of trying to break free from consumption, you're switching sides to be becoming a producer. 
So, the most important thing with any business system you're looking at is you need to divorce wealth from time. You might be a consultant and say a dentist and you want to go out and start your own business and you're earning say charging 150 bucks an hour or whatever or 200, 300. It's still a good rate but every single time the the method of payment is dollar per hour. So, we need to step find any business system that can take us away from trading time for money. Yeah, it says that if if it means that when you disappear, the money disappears, then that's not this true fast lane thing. It's it's similar to the slow lane, probably just with a little bit more control, a little bit more independence, but it's not fully, fully fast lane yet. So, some of the different options that you might have would be any kind of internet business. Say if you might be someone selling on Amazon or you might have your online shop or you might have your own app. Each time you've actually spent a lot of upfront time in investing in something that can be sold and isn't linked to your time. Other things could be rental systems where you own something and you charge people to use that. So, the obvious analogy for this is you buy a house and you rent it out. It doesn't involve any of your time. Once, you've, once you own the asset, you're making money off that asset and it applies to more than just real estate as well. So, another one is content systems. So, if you think back to all our financial experts who are authors preaching the slow lane existence, the way what they've done is they've spent a lot of time in writing a book and when they sell that book, that's not linked to their time as well. So, so there's a lot of effort up front, but the book they wrote five years ago, if they're selling it now, there's no extra time invested in every time. So in each of these cases, the wealth's separate from time, but it's also something that's scalable. The same amount of effort goes into writing a book for one person as the same amount of effort that goes into writing the book for 10 million people that buy it. So this fast lane, this entrepreneurial business system is the recommended way forward. So it's not the sidewalk, which is the pay it now culture, which is getting happiness through consumption and their rat race is consume, debt, work, repeat. It's not the slow lane, which is trading today for tomorrow, where you're investing a little bit and hoping that time and the markets will be kind to you. That rat race is all about deprivation, save, work, invest, wait, repeat. Instead, it's the fast lane. That's where we're trying to break away the money time link and differentiate time from money. And so that's what MJ recommends. That's obviously the best way forward in his mind. And up next is some of his suggestions as to how you can actually get there. So some people listening right now might have this moment where they're thinking they've realized that the path they're on isn't the one for you. And if you're someone who wants to move into this fast lane, there are some things that you're better off learning earlier rather than later. And the first thing is that difficulty is the opportunity. There's a bit of a scam out there which MJ calls the, the shortcut scam and that's the idea that extraordinary results can be achieved by just a simple secret bypass or a miracle weapon or a silver bullet to be the thing that's going to make you successful. There's a lot of silver bullets out there or there's probably not really a lot of silver bullets out there but there's a lot of people out there claiming they've got the silver bullet and that you can shoot it through your gun and achieve magical success but MJ says that that's a full scam whether that's whether it's an online guru who's selling their PDFs that you can read and become rich, whether it's a $1,000 program where you're sitting in the theater and they say, race to the back, take your credit card, sign up for my course. And uh, I know we've both been there before. <laughs> one of us has been, one of us stayed sitting and one of us raced to the back of the room. <laughs> but there's all these silver bullet uh, shills out there that are trying to sell you on the shortcut that if you want to get rich, there's a quick and easy way to do it if you just pay them a lot of money. If you're someone who starts clicking around on some, anything to do with Fastlane, Google and YouTube, they're going to figure it out and these snakes are going to be out there trying to sell you some silver bullets. 
and without any experience, this is going to be really tempting and enticing. They're loaded up on my YouTube every single time I watch any <laughs> video. There's someone on a beach in, in Bali with their laptop just saying how they made, and they're like 23 years old and they've you know made a million dollars a month or whatever like that. But they're selling the, biz, the, the fast lane system. So this is something you've got to be careful of. And the paradigm we're going to be looking at from is that, that the simple path is something to avoid. The difficult path when it comes to entrepreneurship is actually the opportunity. MJ says that when you say, I want to be an entrepreneur, what you should really be saying is, I want a lifetime of solving problems. It's not that what most people are thinking, which is probably you want to quit your job and get rich overnight. Instead, you've got to look at what are the difficulties in the world? What are the problems in the world? And how can you add value to people by solving their problems? So, the easified entrepreneur who's drunk the shortcut Kool-Aid and gets dragged into some of these clickbait online stuff is very easily duplified. And remember from a lot of our books, scarcity is the thing that creates value. Pretty much anybody can go out there and try and find a product on Alibaba to buy cheaply and sell on Amazon. But there's so many people who are actually trying to do this that it loses all scarcity and you haven't found a way to actually contribute value to society. So the things that are most difficult are usually the things that are really going to push the needle forward with the world and actually add value to people's lives. So in the end, easification flags are liabilities whilst difficulties are actually assets and difficulty reflects depth of the problem and the actual value magnitude that you can be taking in. What MJ says is that there's no list, there's no to-do list of if you do A, B, C, D, you become a fast lane entrepreneur. And if there is someone who's saying, here's the list, follow the process, follow the four steps, they're making... This easification, this sense that they're trying to make it easy, MJ says it's that's where you start to sniff the rats out. And if someone's saying this is an easy thing to do, probably stay away at all costs. The second piece of advice with your fast lane system is that you need to have domain experience. Now, this is a bit of a paradox to what we were saying about earlier about that blind reliance on a job in the sidewalk or the slow lane isn't the right way and that's a scripted existence. What we're saying here is that the job is a very useful tool in the context of getting the skills and the domain experience that you need for a fast lane system. This is one piece of advice that I, I really liked. Uh, reading the Millionaire Fast Lane, MJ's first book, which we did about 18 months ago or maybe even more. Actually, probably a lot more, yeah, like yeah. two and a half years ago. That uh, it was very anti-job it felt, but this is just saying that, hey, you need a job. Even if you're on this fast lane path, you need a job to cover the bills in the short term, but he also highlights the benefits of having a job because it means you get this domain experience. For MJ, he was driving limos and when he was driving limos, he saw that how difficult it could be and how inefficient it was to have limo drivers, to have limo drivers, to have all these different companies trying to attract users of the limos, whereas he thought it could be much more much easier if you had like a demand supply, like an Uber style thing where you've got users and you've got the drivers and you can link them together. So this was about 20 years ago when he was doing his limousine service, but it was through his experience on the job that gave him the idea. So if you read books like this, it's not an instant quit your job and go and try and do something different. It's thinking, what are the problems in your job or in your industry and what are the solutions that you could find because you have this experience? I really like this because it means there is a lot more hope and a lot more value in someone. If you're listening right now and you're 30 or 40 and you spent 20 years on the slow lane, that experience that you've learnt up until now is going to be extremely valuable. 
because all those easified entrepreneurs out there, they don't have these 20 years of experience and this specific domain knowledge that you can have to start a specific business that actually adds a lot of value for people. The third piece of advice is how do you improve your odds of success or improve your odds of connecting when you take a swing? So there's the overnight success or you think the lucky person who's out there who strikes it rich, who tried one thing, they got lucky and now they've become super rich through this fast lane thing. That's not, that's not at all true. That's another one of these scams that people perpetuate when they're trying to sell you something. Instead, you got to realize that it means taking a couple of swings. You're probably going to miss a couple of times but each time you're refining your swing and you're improving your odds of connecting. It's a sad fact. Most people in the world think the ones who are actually striking home runs think they're just the lucky people. But in reality, anyone listening right now, you're one of the most lucky people in the world and you've been dealt a very similar hand to those hitting home runs. If you've got multiple shoes, televisions, if you've got an iPhone, if you bought or stole this book, in the analogy of, say, poker, you're hanging on to pocket kings and you've got every right to be able to be hitting home runs. As you said, Astro, the first thing you need to do is actually step up to the plate and start having a swing. The failure rate of businesses in the world is about 90% in the first five years. So baseball is a good analogy because you are going to contribute to the statistic. The first few things that you have a crack at probably aren't going to work, but the more times you swing the more likely it is that your rate of connecting is actually going to increase. So that's the main thing you need to do is step up to the plate and improve your odds of connecting. 